so I don't have notes prepared, so, you know, I can't promise you how well this is going to be, but I'm going to try my best, right? So God created us in the beginning. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. He created humanity, created us in partnership with him. I don't know if you know this, but God is spirit, the Bible teaches. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He created us a tripartite being. So God said, let them, talking about humanity, have dominion, Genesis 126. Uh, in what? In the creation, the natural, visible creation that we live in. He didn't say let us have dominion. He said let them have dominion. So we were created in relationship with God with the idea that God was going to influence us as his creation and we were going to, through the partnership that we had with him, we were going to bring his will into this earth because we were created as a bridge between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. We, we have a spirit, so God speaks to us spirit to spirit because he is a spirit, right? Uh, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord is what the Bible teaches. And so when God speaks to us, we process what we hear in our spirit. This is the way we were created. And then once we process it, we bring it into manifestation with our body, right? By what we say, by what we do, uh, we do the same way. We get into a meeting. Sometimes we'll have a meeting. We'll kind of hash things out, what we want to do, and that's good. You've had a meeting. You've got a good idea what you want to do, but then you've got to go do it. So he created us to, in partnership with him, hear from him, find out what his will is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we, in partnership with God, he doesn't leave us alone, but in partnership with him, we were created to bring heaven into the earth. Right? Then what happened? We sinned. Humanity sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve partook of the tree that they were not. They had one commandment. Just one. Don't eat from that tree. But guess what? There is a devil. Right? Everything was weighed in their favor. There is a devil. Convinced them they needed to eat from the tree. They ate from the tree. They knew that they violated God's command. But God is faithful to his word. Whether his word is positive or, or, or it's, it's consequential, he's faithful to his word. The day that you eat of this, you shall surely die. Now, how many of you know that Adam and Eve didn't fall over dead when they ate from the tree? So how did they die? They died spiritually. We're still a tripartite being, spirit, soul, and body. I think I mentioned last week we were supposed to relate uh, uh, to God. Our spirit is supposed to hear from God, and then we function that way. We were spirit first, then mind, then body. Then what happened when we lost our relationship with God, I keep saying here, your spirit's not here, but I just kind of, uh, your inner being, uh, when we lost that relationship with God, then our mind took over. And our mind cannot fathom the way God works. And so a lot of times what's happened is we've nullified what God wants to do because we're trying to figure out how God does it. And according to our mind and the way we process things, it doesn't make sense. So we end up saying, well, that ain't God. Right? But my point is, is that when sin came into the world, we were separated from God. And so what happened is Jesus came, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, Jesus came to restore humanity, to bring his lost people home, right? He came and did a work at the cross of Calvary. God became man. He lived on this earth, empowered by the Spirit of God, but his mission was to die as a sacrifice for you and I, that 
in bringing restoration through his shed blood, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, they might be saved. So we begin, uh, our, our lives today, we begin lost, separated from God, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death. But what happens is when we call upon the name of the Lord, we receive salvation. Jesus called it, you must be born again. Now, uh, Nicodemus didn't understand what he was talking about. John chapter 3, what do you mean you must be born again? Do I got to go back again into my mother's womb? He said, no, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. You must be born of water and you must be born of the spirit. Now, remember I said to you, why must we be born of the spirit? Because we're dead spiritually. So we need to be alive again to the things of God. So how does God bring us uh, alive and make us alive again spiritually? If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he doesn't. But how does it get in there? We'll tell you that here in a minute. But the Bible says if that same spirit of Christ, uh, uh, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies if that spirit dwells in you. So the thing about... What Christianity, what people miss, that people think Christianity is a good religion. It's good works. It's good people. It's good fellowship. It's all of that. But none of that makes Christianity Christianity. What makes Christianity Christianity is that we are the house of God, the gate of heaven. We are the, 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 the place where God has chosen to reside his people. God comes and the Spirit of God comes and indwells us when we recognize that we were created to be in relationship with God, but we're no longer in relationship with God. Jesus paid a price so that we could become in relationship with God once again. Well, how does that do that? You must recognize Jesus as Savior and Lord. You must recognize that it was His work on the cross of Calvary that allows us to be restored again to God. By grace have you been saved through Faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, how do I get saved? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What happens when I call upon the name of the Lord? What happens is when you get saved, God's spirit, uh, God, in, in an instant, in a moment, you are forgiven. When you call upon the Lord, all your, work, your sins are forgiven. He said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is that important? Because you must be holy to receive a holy God. He, 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 you can't clean yourself up. There's no way you're going to be able to clean yourself up enough for a holy God to live inside of you. So the, God does the work. When we call upon him and believe in what Jesus did, who, he was a righteous man who died. There was no reason for him to die because it's the wages of sin is death. Jesus had no reason to die because he had no sin, right? So why did he die? He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Who did he lay it down for? For you and I. So that whoever believed, he still shed his blood. So that work was done now can be applied to our life if we will believe in him. <coughs> so, when you call upon the name of the Lord, what happens is you become a new creation in Christ. How does that happen? The Spirit of God, when you call upon him, the Spirit of the living God takes up residence inside of you. You have now been born again spiritually. Now, your spirit and God's spirit are one. What I was saying to you before, it's not going to church that makes you a Christian. 
It's not going to Sunday school that makes you a Christian. It's not going to a membership class that makes you a Christian. It's not becoming a member of a church that makes you a Christian. It's have you been born again? Have you had an experience where God's Spirit, you called upon God, you called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you had an experience where God himself now took up residence inside of you? You are a new creation in Christ. Now, here's the thing. We are a new creation in Christ, but we still think like the old man. And we wonder why things don't change. Well, uh, I I like to say it this way. It's kind of like, here you are, if your life was a car, right? And you're driving this car, and you look at your car, and you realize, man, my car is all messed up. It's, 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 I only got three wheels. It's banged up. It's, you know, why is it in that condition? Because you're driving, right? And so somebody tells you, hey, you go to church because at church they can fix you up. So you go to church, and you come to the altar, and you call upon the Lord, but you don't really understand, but you just call upon the Lord, something happens in your life, and you're like, oh, God is so good, and then you take off in the same car, and guess who's still driving? So here you are, you're a brand new Christian, but you're still doing the same thing. The reason that you're in the mess, you were in the mess you were in is because you're driving, and now when you leave here, even though you are born again, you're still doing the same things you were doing before. You're still driving. That's why when you have a born-again experience, you've got to be, you've got, there's two things, Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable form of worship. You've got to crucify your flesh. You can't do the things that you used to do before, right? Well, I wish they would have told me that before I got saved. You're right. You should have been told that before you got saved. You should have been told that you can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in in the church, one foot in the kingdom. It won't work that way. You say, well, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm, I'm having so many problems. And listen, as a Christian, you're going to have problems. But sometimes the problems that you have are not because you're a Christian are because you haven't learned. You're living like a carnal Christian. You haven't given your all to God. Right? And so the, uh, Romans 12, 2 says, well, why is that? Because you didn't change the way of thinking. The Bible says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind now I want you to know the renewing and the regeneration of your spirit that's God the renewing of your mind and and laying down of your body that's us God's not going to crucify your flesh we got to crucify our flesh God's not going to transform your thinking we got to transform our thinking how do we transform our thinking by the word of God right Psalms 1 says I, I quote it all the time blessed is the man yeah, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. Now, Beth's back there, and she's got this little flower thing around her like a new age person. <laughs> that just reminded me that a lot of people, and it was a good segue, a lot of people think when they, when they see meditate, they think new age. Flower child. How do they, how do they meditate? By emptying their mind, right? But that's not what the word meditate means in Scripture. In Scripture, it means to fill your mind. It means to chew the cud. 
right? So it, you, you read the Word of God, and then you meditate on the Word of God as you're sitting down. What does that mean? What does it mean to me? What are you trying to tell me? So you, that's, that's biblically the word meditate. And when you do that, you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to transform the way you think, right? So you do according to how you think, not according to what's right. See, we think that everything we do is right. But like we say down here in Texas, tight. It ain't. Well, why do I keep doing that? Because you got thinking, thinking. And you got to transform your thinking so that what you do is now in conformity with how you think, but your thinking has to be in conformity with what God says. Now, what does this have to do with being uh, receiving the, the Spirit of God? Well, let me get back to that. So when the disciples were walking with Jesus in John chapter 20, uh, is it chapter 20? It might be chapter 21. I just saw, oh, here it is. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus had died and had, uh, uh, was, was uh, uh, entombed, and now he had been resurrected. The disciples were walking with Jesus. They were doing the works of Jesus. But one thing that the disciples didn't have, Jesus kept saying to them, it's expedient to you that I go away. Because if when I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come. So the disciples were walking with Jesus, and they were doing the works of Jesus, and they were in the presence of God, but they had not received the Holy Spirit yet. They were doing it all as you and I, as if we were just in the presence of God by the grace that was on him. But, but Jesus wanted the Spirit of God to indwell them. And so the first thing he did when he met up with them, it says in John uh, chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So what happened that day? I believe that day they became born again. That's the day that they became new Christians in the sense that they received the Spirit of God. As I said before, uh, we are new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Jesus said, you must be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what happened. At that particular moment, the disciples were born again. Now, here's where a lot of confusion comes in. Well, I have the Spirit of God. Yes, you do. These disciples had the Spirit of God. But Jesus still told them, he said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise from my Father. Now, he had already breathed on them. They'd already been born again. They'd already received the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, you need something more. You see, Jesus had the Spirit of God inside of him from the moment that he was born. He was never separated from his Father. He was 100% God, 100% man, had no, had no sin in him. So, yet when he goes to be baptized by John, what happened? The Spirit of God came upon him. John said, I saw the heavens open. The Spirit of God in the form of a dove came upon him. And it was after that moment, Jesus had already had the Spirit of God inside of him, but it was after that moment that he began to function in the power of God. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, full of the Spirit, and he came out of the wilderness, out of the temptation, and the power of the Spirit. And by the way, I will say this, is that the, the more you resist the enemy's temptations and the more you start doing the things of God, as you begin to walk in purity, you'll see more power function in your life. But Jesus got up and he began to preach. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, not in me, but upon me to do what? 
to preach the gospel, to uh, uh, set at liberty those who are oppressed, to open blinded eyes, to, but we, we like to say it this way, to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. How does he do that? By means of the Spirit of God upon his life. And the disciples, now getting back to the disciples, they've been born again. But Jesus said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive that promise that my Father has promised you. What promise is that? Well, we got to go to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, this is in Acts chapter 1, verse, uh, we'll start in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Then if you go down in verse, uh, well, let me keep reading. Which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So then what happened is, if you go down to verse uh, 8, it says, but you, talking to the disciples, remember, they've already been born again. Because this is now 40 days afterwards, they've already been breathed on, they've already been born again. But now he tells them, but you shall receive power not when the Holy Spirit comes in you, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And in that power, you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You are a temple of God, but you need something more. You need the power of God to do what I've called you to do. What have I called you to do? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, right? How am I going to do that? By the power of the Holy Spirit is how we're going to function and carry out what Jesus called. He never expected us to do it in our own strength. Christians today are trying to, to win the world in their own strength. And yet in Zechariah 4 and 6, it says, not by, my, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So what does it look like? We already saw what it looks like when someone's born again. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You call upon the name of God. You pray a certain prayer. I believe, Lord, that you died for me. I confess my sins. I ask you, invite you into my life. I accept you as Lord. You're born again. So what does it look like when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? That's a different experience. Well, then you have to go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, right? In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and this is the only time that they had to tarry. The reason they had to tarry is because it's been 40 days since Jesus departed, and 10 days later, the disciples didn't know this was the day of Pentecost. I don't know if you know this, but as charismatic Christians or people that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're called Pentecostals. Why are we called Pentecostals? Not because we have bows in our, you know, I don't even have any here. I don't know how I'd have one of those. Not because we wear long skirts, not because we don't wear makeup. A lot of people, they, they identify Pentecostals with that kind of church. That's not really what it's identified with. What it's identified with is on the day of Pentecost, that's when the, the, the beginning of the Spirit of God being poured upon believers happened. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And what happened? Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now these people had already been born again. The Spirit of God was already in them, but now the Holy Spirit was coming upon them. And what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now let me say something here. 
Who began to speak? Was it the Holy Spirit speaking? No, it says they began to speak as the Holy Spirit came upon them. So the Holy Spirit overshadowed them, and the Holy Spirit would give them utterance, but the people had to speak. So a lot of times what happens when we pray for people, because we believe this experience is for the church today, you come up and pray for people and you lay hands on them and they just sit there. Because they don't understand is that the Holy Spirit is not going to make you speak. The Holy Spirit is not going to take your lips and speak for you. How does it work? They began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And you might say to yourself, how does that work? That's where the miraculous comes in. I don't know how it works. I wish I could describe to you with a, with a formula, mathematical formula of how this takes place, but I can't. I can tell you my experience. I got saved in 1985. Somebody told me about Jesus. I went to church for three months because I was afraid. It was a big church, and I was afraid to go up and get saved. There were so many people there. I was very shy. You may not think I'm shy, but I'm still a very quiet individual. I'm not quite as broken as I was before, but I'm still an introvert, still quiet. But I didn't want to get saved for three months because I didn't want to go up in front of all these people. There's probably about 500 people on the bottom, maybe 700. I don't know, Christian Temple at that particular time. And I could tell you better than I could. And so finally after three months, I said, man, I but every time I went to church, I feel the presence of the Lord pulling me, pulling me, pulling me, and pulling me, and pulling me. So one day I'm in my room and I said, God, are you real? And God said, yes, I am. He didn't say it like that. I just, the presence of God came on my life. And I knew at that moment something happened in me. I was different. I was born again. The Spirit of God had taken up residence inside of me. I was a new creation in Christ. About a month later now, I was going to church, and uh, Anna's mom gave me a book. I think we've passed that out here before called Hey God. And it was about the experience of a little Italian lady that got baptized with the Spirit of God and how her life changed from before she had the Spirit of God, uh, the baptism of the Spirit of God to afterwards. And I read that little book in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple of hours. And after I read that book, I said, I want that. I want that. And the Bible says that we can have it. Now, we'll show you that here in a minute. It's for everyone. And I said, I want that. I want to receive that. So I went to church, same church, big auditorium, right? Same church on a Sunday night. And I want to tell you something. Usually services lend itself to one kind of altar call or another. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a time where we feel like the Lord wants to save people. Sometimes it's an opportunity for people to get healed. Sometimes it's an opportunity for people to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, Sunday night, rarely did they ask people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's usually a time where you can be filled with the Spirit in the sense that you need a touch from God, whatever case you, but not, not to be baptized in the Spirit. But I went with this idea that I wanted to get baptized in the Spirit. I was hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I read it. I wanted it. So I went to church that Sunday night. Big church. I'm still the same person, but something had, 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 had blossomed inside of me. And so at the end of the service, uh, pastor gives an invitation, and, and I was like, I want to, I want to. And, and he felt the Spirit of God lead him to ask, is there anybody here want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And normally, you know, I was like, this is a big place. I'm not going to go up there. Remember, three months I'd go to church, and I didn't want to do that. But I, was, I didn't care. I said, I want it. I had my eyes closed. So I, I made myself raise my hand before I opened my eye. <laughs> I raised my hand. I want it. And I looked around. And there ain't nobody else raising their hand, but I didn't care. 
right? Eventually, somebody else raised their hand. I, I forgot who it was after me, but I raised my hand. I went up to the front. He laid hands on me, and all of a sudden, I began to, I began to speak in another tongue. He said, now, I'm describing that to you. He said, do you know how that happened? I still don't know how it happened. I just know it was a promise of God. And God said, if you, if you will, uh, 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 um, uh, if, you, if you're hungry and if you will claim the promise of God, he will fill you. And I did. I went up there. And then it says, they began to speak in other tongues. I realized, I didn't know what I was, I just, I just, he laid hands on my head and I began to speak in another language. I don't, I don't, I can't define how I heard from God and how I said, I just know it's, I began to speak in another language. He said, well, how do you know it was another language? Because the Bible tells me it was another language. Right? Now, it could be a human language. Now, you know, there's lots of languages that are, are, are dead. They're defunct. They're no longer in existence. So people will say, well, I never heard that language before. Did you know that for the longest time, people didn't know what Egyptian sounded like? Until they, they found the Rosetta Stone. Now people understand what ancient Egyptian sounded like, and they're able to, to define what that language was. But how many other languages have died out? And you might be speaking one of those languages, right? Or you might be speaking a language that nobody's heard yet. Or you might be speaking a heavenly language. I remember uh, uh, reading in a book about a guy that was in a, in a church, and, and all of a sudden somebody began to have a, 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 a praise in tongues. They began to praise in tongues. It went on for a while, for a while, for a while. And, it was like, in this particular service, it's not always this way, but there was somebody that was visiting. And the person that was visiting was like, I, I don't remember the story. I'm just going to fill in the gaps, and I could be totally wrong. It was like from a distant place in India. And it, it was a language that only a few people heard, but it was his native language. And when he came in, he said, I, I hear them speaking to me in my own language. Nobody knows this language, but I know that language. What are they saying? They're, they're magnifying Jesus and how I need to get saved. Right? One thing you don't know, you may not know what you're saying, but any language that you speak is going to be magnifying Jesus. Right? It could be a heavenly language. They have languages in heaven. Right? Well, I don't know what they are. That doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means you don't know what they are. Right? So whenever you receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says we will begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives utterance. Well, anyway, this took place on the very first day, on the day of Pentecost. And when they get to the end, Peter begins to preach a sermon because, remember, this is the same Peter that denied the Lord. But now he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And what happens? You shall receive power. And this, this timid, now Peter was not shy, but apparently he was, he was a... He was afraid. He was afraid in the midst of the situation that he was in. But when the, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, a new boldness came up, and he began to preach. Who was he preaching to? The very people that crucified Jesus. The reason he denied Jesus is because he didn't want to go to a cross. Now the very people that crucified Jesus, he is preaching to them. And he is saying, this Jesus whom you crucified. He is Savior and Lord. And in verse 38, uh, let's start with uh, 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, the crowd, the Jews, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you 
and to your children and to all, see that little word all there, who are afar off. See, they speak, they speak like, like we do, afar. All who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. What I don't know about you, I, I've been called by God, so the promise is for me. If you've been called by God, the promise is for you. Some people will say, well, that's only for the New Testament church, but that's not what Peter said. The promise is for all. As many who are called by God, God has uh, ordained for them to receive this experience where they receive, and listen, what you're receiving is not tongues. <coughs> You'll have to excuse me. I, I've been battling with sinuses all week, but what they're receiving is not tongues. What you're receiving is power. You see, a lot of times what happens, people have an experience and they speak in tongues and they say, I got it, and they never flow in power. It's not about tongues. Tongues is only the sign that you received it, right? It's kind of like a title deed is a sign that you own a piece of property. When I speak in tongues, I know I've received the power of God in my life, but it's another thing to function in power. The point is that you would function in power. You say, well, what does that power look like? If you knew who I really was and you see me doing what I'm doing, you would understand what power is. I can't do this on my own. When we pray for people and they testify to being, uh, uh, to being healed, then you know what power is. It's God moving through us to do what only God can do. When God gives us a vision to do something and we say, I can't do it, God says, don't worry, I'm going to do it through you. That's power. You understand what I'm saying? This is, I'm, not, I'm not like this. Well, I, when I see you, you are. That's because I'm preaching. I, you shall receive power. The anointing of God is on my life to proclaim, to preach. The Spirit of God uses me, flows through me to do what I do. But the same Spirit is for you as well. For as many who are called by God. Right? So the promise is to all. So anyway, um, I can't go through all the, the scriptures that talk about it, but if you were to go to Acts chapter 10, in Acts chapter 10, people were getting saved, and they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And every time they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they were, there was a sign, something happening. We understand that to be that they were speaking in tongues, right? Don't let the word tongues throw you. It's just a way of saying they were speaking in a language that was not known to them. So then in chapter 10, the problem with, with the church is that we think that when we read about the New Testament church, we think that they were all perfect. They weren't. That's the thing about God. God is not afraid to highlight our weaknesses. The New Testament church was telling people about the Lord, but they were telling Jews. But the Bible says they're supposed to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the rest of the earth. But they were only telling Jews. So Peter has a vision from God. He's hungry. And you know, the Lord can speak to you in a way that gets your attention. Peter was hungry, so God spoke to him with food. And whenever um, he was on a roof waiting for them to prepare the food, maybe he could smell the food that was being prepared. But all of a sudden he had a vision, and then this sheet came down, all these animals. Now, the thing about Jewish culture is they have clean foods and unclean foods. Some foods they can eat, some foods that they can't. If you go to a dietitian, they will tell you this is a clean food and this is not. See this asparagus, good food. See McDonald's, bad food. <laughs> it, was, it was more complicated than that, okay? 
But I'm trying to get to the gist of that. So anyway, it's like on this sheet came down all these different animals that the Jews weren't allowed to eat. And the Lord said to him, arise and eat. And Peter said, uh-uh. He probably said, this ain't God. This vision ain't God. Because Jews aren't allowed to eat that. And God said, what I have called clean, do not call unclean. Now in the midst of all this vision that he's having, God had spoken to a man named Cornelius who was a centurion. He was a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile. He, he wasn't a Jew and, 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 a, and a Roman soldier. He was a Gentile. But he was a God-fearer. He had a heart for God. That means he would go to, he would go to synagogue and, uh, and oh man, I've got I to gotta quicken this up. So he would go to synagogue and hear about God, but he didn't want to go the whole way to become a, a Jew because in order to do that, you had to get circumcised. He didn't want to do that. Right? But he, he would give alms to the Lord. He, and, and the angel came and said, God has seen your giving. God has seen your works. Of, by the way, the Bible teaches God watches how you give. And anyway, send for Peter. So he sends men to Peter, Gentiles, soldiers. They knock on the door of a Jewish household, and Jews don't let Gentiles into their home. But Peter just had a vision. And so whenever they opened the door, Peter said, let him in. And then they said, well, we've been sent by Cornelius to come. So they send him back to the house, and when they go back to the house, Peter goes with them back to Caesarea, which is where they came from. And while he's there, Cornelius gets all his household and all his friends, which are all Gentiles. The Jews had not been preaching to Gentiles. But Peter recognizes the Lord was trying to change the way he thought so he would preach to Gentiles. And you say, well, why... Why do you need somebody to go down there? Because that's the way God designed it. You think the angel could have told him about uh, the, uh, uh, how to get saved and about the baptism? And the, of course he could have. But the angel didn't tell him that. He said, send for Peter. We may be saying, well, God sent an angel, and the angel is waiting for us. Because it hadn't been given to angels to declare the message. It's been given to humanity, humans. Right? So Peter went down to Caesarea, and they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was waiting, he and his close friends. And uh, Peter gets up, and he starts uh, preaching. In verse 30, so Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting, and the ninth hour I prayed. And behold, a man stood before me, an angel, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And uh, he said, Send for Peter, verse 33, so I sent to you immediately, and you've done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. So I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what gender you are, what class you are. He shows no partiality. <coughs> if you're hungry, you're open to receive the promise of God. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was witness, I mean, was with him, and we are witnesses of all these things. And then in verse 44, as he continued to preach, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jewish believers who believed, were astonished because as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well. How did they know that? Because they heard them speak with tongues 
unknown languages and magnify God. And Peter, whose mind is blown, says, can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit? In other words, God did everything backwards in their lives, but I know that this is God. One last text, and then we're going to invite you up for prayer. In Acts chapter 19, it says it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through to the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples there, he said to them, now, disciples means followers of God. <clears throat> he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, he's not talking about being born again. He's talking about the experience of the Holy Spirit come upon you. Because they've been taught about Jesus already. And they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Yeah. And Paul is like, he's taken aback. He's like, this is the gospel. The gospel is not just that you're born again and, and have the Spirit inside of you. The gospel is that you also have the Holy Spirit upon you so that you can go and spread the gospel. This is, the, the, this is what God wants for us. And, and so in verse 3 says, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism, which is a baptism of repentance. Paul says, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 and all. And so my point is, I want you to get to realize is that God's desire for his church is yes, that they would be born again. When you're born again, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. But that's not where he finished it. He wants his church to be baptized with the Holy Spirit coming upon them so that we can be a church of power. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, the problem is, is many of us have already received, we've been born again, and we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we think, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. But the Bible says to continually be filled with the Spirit. That means it's not a one-time experience. We as people, I don't know if you know this, but we leak. Right? We leak. <laughs> so we need to go get more. We need to get filled up. And so we've got to continually have this experience where the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we again renew and are filled to the full. God wants us to be filled to overflowing. So my, my call today is I know uh, the, I don't think I preached as long as I think I did. I think the service just went a little bit longer and that's okay. But God is here today and I believe God wants to save you so you can be born again if you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you. And again, being born again is not coming to church. It's not belonging to a church. It's having an experience where God cleanses you and comes and dwells inside of you. You're born again, born of the Spirit. But not only that, you're baptized of the Spirit. That means you receive power. Well, how do I receive that power? It's, many, uh, it's the same. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall receive. It's, it's a promise of God. I just have to believe and call on God. You, uh, you uh, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Right? And the context, I think, in Luke is uh, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he, he won't deny you of that. Right? And so what I have to do, I have to believe 
And then what we're going to do is just like we did in, 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 when Paul did. He said, have you received since you believed? If you say no, then we'll say, well, we're going to lay hands on you. When we lay hands on you, we're going to do our part just like Paul did. He laid hands on them. And then the Holy Spirit is going to do his part. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And then our part, whoever's being prayed for, your part is to receive. Well, how do I receive? I'll wait for the Holy Spirit to make me do something. No, that's why we took some time at the beginning. And you will begin to speak in other tongues. That means you have to provide the voice. You have to provide the voice. Without providing the voice, you're not going to speak in another language. You have to provide the voice. Well, how does it happen? Trust God. You have to trust God that His Word is true. Amen.